When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Episode 25 of Podcast Royal. Before we get started, same spiel, different week. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It really does make a difference. And I learned this week that on Apple Podcasts, if you subscribe, you actually get our episode earlier than if you don't. So if you just have to have Podcast Royal a little bit earlier than your friends, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. So how are you? doing great how are you good how was your mother's day oh my gosh I don't know what our listeners are doing on mother's day but I was at the beach so it was really awesome I needed a vacation and a few days off and um I met up with my sister who lives about six hours away I flew to to visit her and we drove down to the beach and met our parents and we had brunch on Sunday and um you know I mean we live in the south but it was still it was cool and a little windy on the beach. It was a little bit too uh, chilly to get in the water. Um, so we just sat out in the sand and got a little sunlight and and really just enjoyed the family time. It was absolutely wonderful. How was your Mother's Day? It was not that fun, but it was very chill. And it was just, you know, any time with my mom is time I treasure, right? And so we binged this new show on HBO Max called Mayor of Easttown. Are you watching? I am not familiar with that show. Okay, Kate Winslet stars. Listeners, if you are watching Mayor of Easttown, please don't spoil episode four for me because we only watched the first three. And I know episode four came out on Sunday, but I want to know your theories on who the killer is. It is such a good show. Kate Winslet is brilliant. Her accent is brilliant. I highly recommend. So on on the Mother's Day note, we would like to take a moment to wish all mothers, royal and not royal, a happy belated Mother's Day, which was observed in the U.S. this past Sunday, especially to our own moms who are truly our biggest fans and podcast royals, number one supporters. We love you. You are you were the first listeners. We for a long time thought that the two of you were the only listeners. We're happy to report that that's no longer the case, but you are definitely our first fans. So thank you. And we love you. So funny story. Okay. I said, I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to say this. So Jessica and I are on episode 25 of this podcast now. Um, after T and a buddy, that was incredible last week, but their audio quality was so good that, we, that Jessica and I finally decided to buy microphones, which we have not done. And we're 25, almost six months into this journey, by the way, our first recording date was November 14th. So this week will mark six months. We have not spent a dime on this podcast. This is just a labor of love. We bought microphones and my microphone isn't working. So all of that, and we're so excited to record with our new mics and it doesn't work. So now we're just back to regular old 
normalcy, but hopefully next week I will be able to figure it out. Don't ever trust me with tech, but we have mics now. So I guess that means we're real podcasters, right? Right. Yeah. Stay tuned for next week. You don't want to miss it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're looking for improved audio quality, if I can figure it out, then we will have that on episode 26. So speaking of things we've been trying to do and have not been able to as of yet successfully do, we've been trying to do this segment on royal wedding dresses of the modern age since early April. Then Philip passed away. Then it was his funeral. Then we had a family emergency. Then we had tea and a buddy on and now we have pushed it so far that we are not only honoring William and Kate's 10th wedding anniversary which was on April 29th but we're also dipping into Harry and Meghan's third wedding anniversary on May 19th but it's all good because we're here now and we're doing it but first we have a few items to cover in the Royal Rundown. So Kate's book, Hold Still, was released on Friday, May 7th, and she was spotted in a gorgeous red coat from Epinine, which I hope I'm saying correctly, London, out and about, leaving copies of the book with a signed note inside all around London. I cannot get over that look. What did you think? And will you be ordering a copy of Hold Still? Because I need to order myself one. Well, Kate looked beautiful, um, and I'm right there with you. I love this project that she's worked on, and I've been really touched by the stories and the PR they are doing for this. I cannot wait to flip through this book. I know we mentioned in our last episode that it retails for about 34 US dollars, and I was reading online today that the proceeds will be split between the National Portrait Gallery, specifically some of their educational programs, and also the UK mental health organization, MIND. Um, So that's good to know, you know, proceeds are going to a great cause and I have not ordered a copy yet, but I will definitely get my hands on one soon. What about you, Rachel? Oh, I'm going to order a copy. That's going to be a great addition to my coffee table. I haven't done it yet either, though. So I wonder how long it takes to ship from the UK to the US, but I think it's worth the money. It's going to a great cause. So I will be purchasing We also saw Megan in red this weekend wearing floral Carolina Herrera in a video message at the Vax Live concert, which we mentioned last week and that she and Harry co-chaired. She looked absolutely beautiful. And this came two days after she and Harry shared a new photo of Archie, his back to the camera and holding birthday balloons on his second birthday. The Sussexes encouraged anyone who could do so to honor Archie's birthday by donating to vaccine equity. It should be noted that everyone across the family wished sweet Archie a happy second birthday on Instagram and social media. And that made me feel good about life. So did you see all of the birthday wishes trickle in? So as you just mentioned, I have had quite the crazy past several weeks. Um, And I have to admit, I have missed more royal news than I would like, but I've been trying to catch up the past couple of days. And I did actually see the birthday wishes from the Cambridges, Prince Charles and Camilla and the royal family Instagram account. And I thought it was really thoughtful to share those photos and wishes. Um, And it's, you know, it's always fun to see the little birthday posts. So I'm glad they did that. No matter what may or may not be going on, they're still family. And so I was happy to see the Cambridges, Charles and Camilla, the Queen, everybody said happy birthday. So happy birthday again. We, we wished him a happy birthday last week. 
But happy birthday again, Archie. And speaking of the Cambridges, they have changed their social media handles to at Duke and Duchess of Cambridge from Kensington Royal, and they've launched a YouTube channel. Their first video, other than a cheeky, like 25-second introduction video, honestly made me weep and features Kate on the phone with Mila, who is now a five-year-old cancer warrior, whose photo of her and her father looking at one another through the glass was featured in Kate's Hold Still campaign. So please listen to this video, but only with a box of tissues next to you. Mila is an angel and is so polite. And Kate promises to wear a pink dress when she and Mila meet in person, which will hopefully be sooner rather than later. So I feel, Jessica, that William and Kate are more out front and public than ever lately. Do you agree? And what do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. And I love it. I get super excited when I see them and get to hear them speak on a number of different topics. And I think this will give us an even more up close and personal view of them than, you know, we already get on Instagram. I think that they are becoming more relevant with a broad range of people across several countries and even generations. Um, so I I really can't wait to see what else we get from them. Um, and I also watched the really touching video with Kate speaking to Mila and I really enjoyed the phone call. Um, I know, you know, Mila's had a tough year and I just thought the call was really precious and thoughtful of Kate and it just shows how good she is with children. She is so good with children. I mean, this is a gift. Like she is so, so good with children. And if listeners, if you have not listened to, it's about a six minute video, go listen to it. It will warm your heart and make you say, yeah, that's why I love the Royal family because they are making a difference. I know that it's been a lot of gossip and tabloidy this year, but at the end of the day, the Royal family is there to serve. And I know that Mila's day was made by talking to the Duchess of Cambridge. So I enjoyed it. I have to agree with Mila. I want to see Kate in a pink dress. (laughs) I'm here for it. I don't have we have we seen Kate in many pink dresses? I'm thinking of that bubblegum pink shirt she wore to an event. That that really pretty. uh, Didn't she have a pink coat that we saw her in? I've, uh, I've seen pink coats. I've seen pink shirts, but have I seen her in a pink dress? I, I don't know. We, I think we we may have at some point, but it's definitely not a color she wears frequently. So she she needs to find something fun and um, feminine and pink to put on for Mila. I have no doubt she will be able to do that. And I can't wait to see what she comes up with. So Charlotte, who just turned six on May 2nd, I love this, apparently tells everyone she is 16, Mm -hmm. (laughs) according to proud dad, William. Apparently she also says, which this is so on brand, Charlotte, quote, I'm six now. I'll do what I want. So much sass in that little girl. So I... I love it. I love it. I hope she never loses that confidence. So with totally switching gears, the final nail in the coffin of Megan's privacy case has been hammered in. Megan has won the latest battle in her two and a half year legal battle against the publisher of Mail on Sunday and Mail Online. 
The courts ruled that Megan and only Megan is the author of the letter written to her father, Thomas Markle, in August 2018, and that copyright is hers and hers alone. And more Sussex, Sussex news, if I can speak. The two have been busy announcing today, Tuesday, May 11th, a multi-year partnership with Procter & Gamble that will focus on gender equality. Of course, this is a full circle moment from when Megan wrote to Procter & Gamble when she was 11 and asked them for more gender equality in their advertising campaigns. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I, I really like that. And we now have a name in a release date for Harry and Oprah's mental health series on Apple TV+. Plus. It will be called The Me You Can't See and will premiere on the streaming service on May 21st, which is my mom's birthday. So happy early birthday, mom. So we saw the queen today, Tuesday, May 11th, at her first official engagement since the loss of Philip, attending the state opening of parliament with Charles and Camilla at her side. And for our last Royal Rundown item, baby name predictions are rolling in for baby girl Sussex. Last week, T and a buddy, I don't think they knew that they're expecting a girl because <laughs> Dominic said David and I said for a girl. And so they are expecting a girl that is confirmed. But the top name choice right now is interesting. I do you I I don't think that I shared this news item with you. Do you want to take a guess as to what the top name choice is right now? Oh gosh. It is not I, a common I, name, I will tell you that. I've seen some interesting ones and I can't remember if you and I talked about it, but I know a while back there was uh, some buzz online, you know, people recommending that they should go with Wella uh, because Archwell and Archie and, and Wella. Um, and I think that's the, probably the most different name that I have seen so far. So I'm curious to hear what this one is. So Wella did not make the list, although I will say that I happened to be looking at Archwell's logo today and it has an A and then a W on it and of course a being for archie and so i don't i actually don't think you're far off in in thinking that the baby's name might start with a w i don't know if it's going to be wella or what but the top choice right now at the bookers or the betting agencies whatever you call them i obviously don't gamble um you have to have money to gamble right <laughs> and so the top name choice is philippa P-H-I-L-I-P-P-A, which of course is a nod to pr the late Prince Philip, Philippa, which actually I think is, is Pippa's real name. Pippa is a nickname for Philippa. And I do not see them going with that. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't either. And then the next, and then you come on guys that are putting bets in like this, this is not going to happen. The next, the next two choices are Diana and Elizabeth. I mean, let's get a little original here. They're not, they are not going to name this child Diana of that. I am certain that it might be a middle name like Charlotte's one of Charlotte's middle names is Diana, but they're not going to name this child Diana. If they do, then I'll stand corrected. So the next, so the top three are Philippa, Diana, and Elizabeth. I don't think any of those are going to be the choice, but yeah. here, what, what do you think? Choices. 
I mean, I, I would have thought people would have, uh, you know, put in something a little bit more creative, like you said. I mean, look, nobody could have predicted Archie. Um, it was very different. Right. It was more modern. Um, I know a lot of people said it sounded more like a nickname than a full name. Um, and, and I kind of expect them to do something similar with the baby girl. Um, I could see it starting with a W given Archwell. Uh, but I think they'll probably go with something a little bit more modern. They, they may give a nod to uh, Megan or another family member in her middle name, but I imagine her first name will be unique for sure. I just remembered this. So Megan, I think she was writing on the TIG. She wrote a TIG entry. I'm pretty sure it was the TIG where she bought herself. This is pre Harry. She was on suits. So she had some money saved up. She bought herself a Cartier bracelet and had it engraved to MM from MM and said that one day she would give it to her future daughter. Well, of course, the from MM is Meghan Markle. So maybe the baby's initials will be MM. Perhaps. So I want to tell you the rest of the people that are making bets. I don't know the proper name for that. The people that are making bets, the, the rest of the list. So um, I think the, well, no, they're not in alphabetical order. So I think these are by preference. So Allegra, interesting. It's a little out of the box. Alexandria, Grace, Emma, Rose, Alice, and Victoria. So I am still, this isn't going to happen, but I'm still standing by my choice of Spencer Sussex because I think that's so cute. That is so Southern. They're never going to do that. But what, what as of this moment is your name prediction? Because I'm telling you, I, Megan said she was doing summer, but I feel like she could go at any moment. So we need to have this conversation because who knows? She might give, you never know. She might give birth this week. So what's your name prediction? I really, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, if we had Spencer somewhere in the name. I don't really expect it to be a first name. I'll have to give a little thought about it. If she hasn't had the baby by next week, I'll give a name prediction then. Um, but let me, let me do a little thinking and then um, I can assure our listeners it won't be one of the choices that, that we, you just read off. Um, that no. we're on. I'll come up with something different. Uh, Megan, I know you're listening. Hi, I hope you're doing well. I hope the weather's good in California. My choice for your baby's name is Spencer Sussex. So there, now you've heard it. So um, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, Royal Rundown complete. So, oh my gosh, we are finally doing this segment. I'm telling you, I researched this segment over a month ago and I've been so excited to talk about it. But segment two today is Royal Wedding Dresses of the Modern Age. So William and Kate, as we know, we were off that week. We had a family emergency. They celebrated their 10th wedding anniversary on April 29th. Um, they were married in 2011. I can't believe it's been that long. I wanted to know what your memories are of that day. Did you watch live? Did you watch later? Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I did watch live. Um, you know, we talked about this briefly last week on the pod with Dominic and Erica, but I don't think I shared my specific experience. So I was living in Atlanta at the time I was interning in grad school. So like everyone else in the U.S., I had to go to work that day, but I do remember waking up super, super early and turning on the TV and watching it before I had to go into work that day. Um, 
you know, it just felt like a fairy tale storybook, you know, that you would read about or, or something you would see in a Disney movie. I absolutely love the beautiful show that the Royal family puts on for all of their special events. And, you know, they just go, they just go all out with the carriages and the attire. Um, I thought Kate's dress was stunning and it was exactly what I would imagine a princess would wear on her wedding day. I loved the tiara. Um, but one thing that I do recall being surprised by, can you guess what it was, Rachel? Ooh. Part of Kate's know. outfit. I don't know. Her veil? So I was really surprised by how small her bouquet was. Oh, okay. Okay. So in the U.S., wedding bouquets are often very full. Sometimes you see uh, flowers cascading down the front. Sometimes they're bunched in a big round bouquet with giant, you know, roses or peonies or, you know, some big full flower. And I, I just noticed how small her bouquet was. Um, and looking back now, I feel like it really is, it really probably was the right size because it was just enough without taking away from the dress and the veil and her face. Um, and, and you don't sit there and focus on the bouquet. You, you look at everything else. So, um, but that was something that really kind of surprised me. Um, but overall, I absolutely loved it. It was um, the first royal wedding that I got to watch in real time. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of notes about bouquets. So it is customary for royal brides to have myrtle in their bouquets. And so she did. And also she had a flower in her bouquet called Sweet William, which is adorable for obvious yeah. reasons. So my memories of that day, I was also in graduate school. I was about two weeks away from graduating because the wedding was April 29th and I graduated in mid-May. And I did wake up. I watched it live on the phone with my mom. This is pre me getting a smartphone and definitely pre my sweet mom getting a, a smartphone. And we just were on the phone the whole time. And I remember Kate walking out of the Goring Hotel and getting in that Rolls Royce and just getting that small glimpse of that dress and just gasping and just crying. Honestly, she was so stunningly beautiful. It was perfect. And I had to go to work that day too. I had a graduate assistantship and I'm sure I dragged all day, but I also was probably just riding on that high of, of the first Royal wedding in a long time. So I, I did see Edward and Sophie's wedding in 1999 live, but I was only like 12 years old at that time. And, you know, certainly wasn't as, you know, in attuned to the family as I was in 2011. And it was, it was just perfect. We're going to talk all about the wedding. So the couple married in front of 1900 guests. Can you, I mean, that, what a guest list, right? And that was actually a very pared down list from what it was supposed to be. The queen was very generous and let William and Kate not invite people they didn't know, like state dignitaries from other nations. They really, everyone there, I can't say they knew or were best friends with everyone there, but the, you know, there was a relationship there. The overall cost of the event was a reported 23.7 million pounds. And most of that, by the way, 
went to security costs. Um, following the ceremony at Westminster Abbey, the Queen hosted a lunchtime reception at Buckingham Palace. And that evening, Charles gave a dinner followed by dancing for the couple's closest friends and family also at Buckingham Palace. The couple didn't leave for their honeymoon in the Seychelles, which we've talked about. Jessica's spoken about that on a previous podcast until May 9th. So they they waited a bit before they left on their honeymoon and they spent 10 days there. So I wanted to take a moment today to remember the iconic look that is Kate's wedding dress, as well as reminisce on other royal wedding dresses of the modern age. So you just hop on in because I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. So you just jump in whenever you have something you want to say because you're about to get me on my soapbox. So when, as I just said, when Kate got out of the car at Westminster Abbey and the totality of her Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen wedding dress was revealed, I honestly, I wept. I shed real tears. She was so beautiful. I am a deep, deep lover of fashion and clothes can move me to tears with their beauty sometimes. If you remember back to 2011, Alexander McQueen had just committed suicide the year before. And I remember thinking, God, if he could only see what Sarah Burton had done, he would be so proud. Alexander McQueen, of course, is a British designer. Fashion diplomacy dictates that she would for sure choose a British designer, and she did. And then, of course, she wears Alexander McQueen all the time up to the present day. Kate, being the future queen consort, again, really had no choice but to go with the British designer for her dress. And Alexander McQueen was a perfect choice. Sarah Burton, who was Alexander McQueen's creative director, designed it. It was made of satin and lace. It has an overlaid lace bodice and an appliqued skirt and fulfilled Kate's real desire to be traditional yet modern. And side note, when I get married, my dress will look just like this. And I thank Kate single-handedly for bringing sleeves back in vogue. She didn't really have a choice though. Her arms had to be covered at the Abbey. So no one officially knew that the dress was Alexander McQueen until the big reveal moment when she stepped out of the car, but rampant speculation had ensued that it was Sarah Burton. And if my facts are right, the project was kept such a secret that Alexander McQueen staffers, I think this is so interesting, thought they were designing the dress for a movie or a TV show or something in the entertainment field. They knew it was an important project, but they didn't know it was the important project of all projects. So Kate's entire look was divine. The veil, the dress with its V-cut and lace sleeves revealing just enough skin, but not enough to ruffle feathers. The long full skirt, the nine foot train. I mean, I, I get chills just talking about it. So I don't know if I've ever met someone that did not like Kate's dress. You liked it, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I mean, it's it. just like, it's, it's iconic. I was I mean, such I, a, I would say it's a, a top favorite of mine. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was such a wow moment in fashion that I'll never forget it. And Kate did her own makeup and her hair was in a loose curls. It was back combed to create a platform for her tiara to sit on. So the tiara wouldn't fall off like Diana's did at her wedding in 1981. So here's some fast facts I didn't know about William and Kate's wedding until I did a little bit deeper research. The veil was held in place by a Cartier scroll tiara from 1936 
It was loaned to her from the Queen's collection, of course. The Queen received the tiara on her 18th birthday. The dress's lace had motifs including a rose, thistle, daffodil, and shamrock to represent England, Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. I just said this, but one of the flowers in Kate's bouquet was Sweet William, and it also contained myrtle, lily of the valley, and hyacinth. Am I saying that right, Jessica? Hyacinth? You are. Great. You know how I am with pronunciation on this podcast. You no, know, we were just talking about hyacinth bucket last week. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we were, weren't we? How about that? Yeah, okay, okay. Um, so for her something old, the 19th century style lace on Kate's gown fit the bill. Her something new was the beautiful diamond earrings her parents, Michael and Carol Middleton, gave to her for the occasion. Her something borrowed was, of course, the Queen's tiara. And her something blue was blue ribbon sewn into the bodice of her dress. Her shoes, which I can't really remember seeing, were also Alexander McQueen and had a lace pattern that matched her dress. So this dress is everything, and it's probably my favorite gown of all time. Mark Badgley of, ba of Fashion House Badgley Mishka said it best, quote, it's the kind of gown that will stand the test of time. Not all gowns do. Any bride across the world will want to wear it. I do. Mark, I do. Um, it's got a touch of vintage, a classic 1950s ball gown, so timeless that her daughter would look gorgeous in this gown 30 years from now. So then Kate changed into another dress for her reception. And for all of the fervor I have about Kate's wedding dress, her reception dress was just okay. It wasn't terrible. I just didn't like the fur bolero. I don't think. I think that's what did it for me. So I never saw the full effect of that gown, which was strapless and also designed by Sarah Burton for Alexander McQueen. Kate let her hair down literally for the reception at Buckingham Palace. Her makeup was still flawless. The dress had a circle skirt and a diamante detailing. And maybe it's just me, but I, I just really don't like detailing that highlights the waist. Maybe that's because I don't like to highlight my, my waist. Um, I just have never liked that. And I don't know if Kate ever took off the shrug or not, but that might have changed my entire feeling about the look. Do you remember her reception dress or seeing photos of it? Yes, and I totally agree with you. I don't mind the, um, the waist belt, but the... Um, the little shrug that she was wearing, I just felt kind of took away from the dress and didn't really add anything. I, I felt like it made her, I don't know, it almost made her look like her shoulders were hunched over a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. For the reception, I would have expected her to shed the sleeves and, and loosen up and dance a little. I'm sure she ditched it at some point. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we caught her walking outside with it on and we, we missed her without it. But, um, you know, I think she would have been fine not to have that at all. Yeah, and they very much did not have, for obvious reasons, photography at the reception. It was, it was a private event. And so we got that one photo. I can still see it in my mind, and that's it. So, okay, so Harry and Meghan are about to celebrate their third wedding anniversary next week. So let's pivot to them. What are your memories of that day? So this wedding... I wasn't quite as enamored with, and I guess because you, you know, you can't really top the first royal wedding that you watch live. Um, I do recall being bummed that Harry was off the market. Um, I have to <laughs> accept the fact that I was not going to marry him. Uh, but I really, um, I one thing that really stuck out to me that I loved was the big 
archway of flowers outside of the chapel. I mean, it was stunning. Um, I will say it felt much more Hollywood to me, sort of like a celebrity wedding. Um, and Which and I do remember, yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I do remember being surprised that they got married at St. George's Chapel rather than Westminster Abbey. Um, I mean, me, I think if I had the opportunity to have a royal wedding, Westminster Abbey would be the top choice for the ceremony venue. Um, but it was still, you know, beautiful nonetheless. Um, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, Rachel, when we've talked. I was not a huge fan of Megan's ceremony dress. Um, I thought the reception dress was much more her style. Um, she looked so much more comfortable in it. I liked it a lot more than her ceremony dress. Um, to me, the ceremony dress seemed sort of ill-fitted, um, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I, I wouldn't have expected that. And maybe that's just me not knowing much about dress fittings. But um, overall, the wedding, was, it was still very beautiful. And I really did love the cake. I thought that was a great choice. Where were you? Were you in Birmingham by that point? I was, and I, I'm actually drawing a blank on where, I mean, I guess I would have, I was living in an apartment at the time. I guess I watched it there. Um, I was just trying to remember if I watched it in Birmingham or if I was out of town for the weekend and was at my parents' house. I don't recall exactly where I was when I watched it, um, but I do remember seeing it, so. So by 2018, so in 2011, I was in graduate school in Mississippi. By 2018, I'd moved to Birmingham and my mom had two. And so we had, I went to Gigi's cupcakes and got wedding cake cupcakes. We had flower crowns that we wore. I think we had champagne. I think we had mimosas. And so we were together for this one. So just simply because of that, it was so special for me. And so, and I was, I was at my old apartment. I don't live there anymore, but I was at my old apartment in Birmingham and I was um, dating someone and living with him. Well, it was my apartment. He had moved in and brought his cat with him <laughs> and kicked him out the night before. And the, the cat stayed. So it was me, my mom and Hank, the cat. <laughs> You kicked your boyfriend out the night before. <laughs> yeah, I did because because we got up so early for it, right? And um, my mom stayed the night, and Hank the cat just his dad wasn't there, and he just howled all night long. So no one slept well, but God love him. Hank the cat sprawled sprawled out in the living room and watched the wedding with us. So I'm just so glad that Hank the cat, I hope Hank is still alive, that Hank got to experience that <laughs> with us. The boyfriend, I, the boyfriend I, and Hank are no longer in, in, in my life, but Hank will always be a part of that memory. I remember your crazy stories about Hank. Oh God, I love Hank so much. I, I love that cat so much. Anyway, this is going down a rabbit hole that I do not want to go down but okay so Megan's Megan's wedding dress so when I caught the first glimpse of Megan's dress when she was in the car I got so excited because it was a boat neck and Megan had been dropping copious hints during the lead up to the wedding that she loved a boat neck boat neck look it had actually become kind of her signature style almost her veil tiara hair makeup and neckline looked stunning 
And then she got out of the car at St. George's Chapel. And I don't really know what I was expecting. I mean, first of all, Kate is a tough act to follow. But kind of like you just said, I just remember feeling underwhelmed. You know, I, I loved the neckline, but the dress just seemed gigantic on her. Like she had skipped her last few fittings or lost too much weight. It just seemed ill-fitting. Um, my mom and I speculated at the time that all of the pressure had likely caused her to lose some weight and the dress just didn't look very form-fitting or tailored. It was just kind of, um, it was, it was a little boring, but, but honestly that, so those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts day of the dress has grown on me now that I have seen it more in like it was on display for a while. And now that I've kind of had a chance to digest it, it's grown on me. And so oh, go ahead. I've always wondered, you know, cause it, it did look like it just didn't fit her. And I've gone back and forth in my head, you know, was it that she lost weight and the dress was too big or was it that the material had no give and she wouldn't have been able to move if it fit her body very tightly? I mean, I would think if that were the case, they wouldn't advise her to get a dress made from that material. But I don't know. It's just a mystery we'll never have the answer to, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So no one knew it was Claire Waite Keller for Givenchy. Everyone was off on the predictions. I heard predictions that it was David and Elizabeth Emanuel, the team, the brother-sister team, who designed Diana's wedding dress. Um, for sentimentality, I thought that was adorable. But um, Megan, you know, marrying the spare had more freedom in her fashion choices. And she went with a French fashion house, but a British female designer. So the more I learn about Megan, the more I realize how much she loves French culture. She has said that in every look, she always likes to leave at least one part of it messy, like a la the French devil may care style. Everyone was predicting she would go either British, American, or even Canadian because she filmed suits in Toronto and had a special connection to the country. But as she's done ever since, she threw us for a loop. And though, as I said, Givenchy is a French fashion house, Claire Waite Keller is British. And Megan later said she wanted to celebrate British female talent. Um, and again, I'll say the dress has grown on me over time. I just wish it was more fitted and less minimalistic. It was silk with a boat neck and three-quarter length sleeve, no lace or any other embellishments. And okay, this is adorable. So a P, I, I okay, I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say how I've incorporated this into my own life. So a piece of the blue dress from Megan's first date with Harry was stitched into the veil for her something blue. And I find that to be so adorable. So <laughs> ever since I found that out, I wore blue on every single one of my first dates with a man <laughs> in hopes that one day it would prove um, fortuitous. And I, and I think I've met the right person. So I think that it has, but um yeah, I wore blue on our first date because of Megan. So thank you for that adorable little tip, Megan. Um, I love that detail. So maybe the coolest part of the whole ensemble was her 16 foot veil, which was hand embroidered with 55 flowers on its hem, which represented the 53 countries of the British Commonwealth, the California poppy in homage to Megan's home state of California. 
and winter sweet, which is a flower that grows at Kensington Palace. The veil actually took longer to complete than the dress itself, and the embroiderers had to wash their hands every 30 minutes to keep the veil flawless. So did you love the veil? I loved the veil. Like if, if it were a competition, which it's not, I hate it when um, in fashion we pit women against each other, like who did it better? I prefer Kate's dress, but I prefer Megan's veil. So what do you think? That's tough. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I love the that Kate's dress. Um, I liked both of the veils. I, I don't know. Um, I didn't I dislike know. Kate's veil, just for the record. I just thought Megan's was stunning. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think they were both very beautiful. Kate's did have a regal feel to it. Um, Megan seemed pretty soft um, and, and, and feminine, which I, I like. So I would have a hard time picking a favorite. Oh, here's some fast facts I didn't know about her dress in the wedding until I did some research. She wore a diamond bandeau tiara from 1932, which was originally Queen Mary's, but is now in the Queen's collection. The prominent center brooch has interlaced opals and diamonds. Her hair was up. Her makeup was done by a Dior makeup artist, and her shoes were also from Givenchy. She wore white gold and diamond earrings and a bracelet from Cartier, which I would bet is the bracelet that we just mentioned, um, or it might be Diana's Cartier bracelet. I don't know. Um, but her bouquet included forget-me-nots, which was Diana's favorite flower. And Megan also put forget-me-nots as the backdrop for that Mother's Day photo, um, Archie's first Mother's Day photo, if you remember that, showing Archie's little feet. Um, that was Diana's favorite flower, so, so she incorporated that in the bouquet. Scented sweet peas, lily of the valley, astilbe, which I'm probably mispronouncing, jasmine, estrontia, and of course myrtle. And surprisingly, Harry chose all of the flowers for the bouquet. So Harry designed the bouquet. Did you know that? I, I did not know that. So he's got good taste. So her something old was sprigs of myrtle taken from a plant grown from the myrtle used in the queen's wedding bouquet and a piece of fabric from Diana's wedding gown. Megan is very into sentimental touches and as someone who is also into sentimental touches, I appreciate that. Her something new, of course, was her gown and veil. Her something borrowed was the queen's tiara and her something blue was the fabric from her blue dress from their first date sewn into the veil, which is so Megan and so thoughtful. I love that. Okay, so Megan's reception dress, va va boom. She came out and killed it in her reception dress. And unlike Kate, she did not wear a shrug and she let those toned arms speak for themselves. So this is a Stella McCartney dress. This dress just epitomizes sex appeal. Um, so again, Stella McCartney, there's the British nod and it was halter and open back. It was stunning. I can remember her walking to get in the car with Harry to head off to Frogmore House where the reception was held and coincidentally or not uh, where they ended up living. And I just thought, there's my girl. She redeemed herself with that reception dress. And Maybe what I loved most was not the sex appeal or the dress, but the centerpiece of the whole look, which was that emerald cut aquamarine ring from Diana's collection, which she made sure to show off as she waved all the way to the reception. So what did you think about the reception dress? Well, like I mentioned, um, I think it was 
so much better than the ceremony dress. I mean, it just looked like her style. I mean, she looked comfortable in it. It fit her well. It was not tight and stuffy or stiff. Um, it was uh, it was very sort of Hollywood, really. Yeah, she looked incredible. She looked incredible. And um, yeah, and she just, uh, I just, yeah. So again, I hate fashion competitions, but Kate's wedding dress, it will never be topped. It, it, if it ever is, I can't believe it. I loved it so much, but Megan's reception dress took the, took the day for me on that. So, all right. So we said we were going to talk about Royal wedding dresses, of the modern age. Let's go way back in time to queen Elizabeth, the queen mother. So the queen's mother, who's also named Elizabeth married the future King, although no one knew it yet. Prince Albert on April 26, 1923, the dress was inspired by Coco Chanel and designed by Madame Hansley Seymour, who was Queen Mary's dressmaker. And in true 1920s flapper fashion is a dress of the times. Then Queen Elizabeth, who was then Princess Elizabeth, married Prince Philip on November 20th, 1947. She commissioned Norman Hartnell to design her dress. He also designed her sister Margaret's gown when she married 13 years later. Uh, sadly, Norman Hartnell seems to kind of been lost to history, but they use uh, Elizabeth and Margaret used Norman Hartnell a lot back in the day. So Hartnell embroidered jasmine, lilac and other flowers on the dress. His signature touch was his embroidery and the dress's material had to actually be purchased with ration coupons as clothing was still being rationed from World War II days. Her train was only 13 feet, which is considered very short by royal standards, and is said to have been inspired by Botticelli's Primavera. So then Margaret gets married on May 6, 1960. She married photographer Anthony Armstrong Jones, wearing also a dress by Norman Hartnell, and the silk organza gown was called the simplest royal wedding gown in history by life. I wonder if they would amend that after seeing Megan's. Um, Kate turned to the queen, Elizabeth, for her gown's inspiration, but it can probably be said that Megan turned to Margaret, whose simpler style she coveted. So then Anne, for her first wedding to Captain Mark Phillips on November 14th, 1973, Anne wore a dress designed by Maureen Baker for Susan Small. It was a Tudor style dress and it had a high collar and draped sleeves. And actually, Anne designed most of the dress herself, keeping with contemporary fashions of the 1970s. And then the dress we could never forget, Princess Diana's wedding dress, which, as we said, I think we said this last week, it will be on display at Kensington Palace starting in June and going through January. Again, PSA, if anybody wants to send me to London to write about this, here is me speaking it into the universe and hopefully making that happen. But um, I, I mean, look, my mom gets so angry at me whenever I say that I don't like Diana's wedding dress because she reminds me that for its time in 1981, it was everything. And after the ceremony, copycat dresses were seen on brides all over the world. God help us all, but they were. So I said this a little bit ago, Diana commissioned David and Elizabeth Emanuel to design her silk taffeta wedding gown, which she wore on July 29th, 1981, as she married Prince Charles. If you will remember 
from a couple minutes ago, Queen Elizabeth's train was 13 feet. Compare that to Diana's, which was 25 feet. And her veil was 150 yards long. So because Diana was unfortunately struggling with bulimia leading up to her wedding, the fitting was off because she dropped four dress sizes in the months leading up to the big day. I don't think I've ever asked you what you think of Diana's dress. So I would like to know what you think. Well, I'm kind of like you. I mean, I wouldn't say it's my favorite dress. It's so, I mean, it's the opposite of Meghan Markle's dress. Um, it's, you know, the opposite of simple. It's uh, very, very elaborate and, and over the top. And I do agree with your mom that I think it was sort of a trendsetter dress and, and inspired a lot of other dresses during the 80s. Um, but I mean, you know, it, it's very, I would say, Princess Diana, as well as, you know, Princess Anne, um, and maybe even Princess Margaret, their dresses are very um, sort of a sign of the times that they were in. And I think Kate's is much more timeless and classic. Um, and theirs are, are much more uh, sort of period dresses, something that you would see in that decade. Yeah, Anne's is definitely a period piece. Diana's is I I'm just not going to say anything because I just yeah just leave it at that my mom gets so angry because I've been very vocal about how I feel about this dress in the past and um my mom just gets so angry with me every time and so so does really anyone that was alive in 1981 so I'm just not going to touch that but just let let that be known how I feel about the dress it was a sign of the times yeah and but the, yeah, I mean, I know it's been 10 years, but I just think Kate's dress will never not be in style. You know, like we look at Diana's dress and go, oh my gosh, that's so 1980s. But I don't think we're ever going to look at Kate's dress and go, oh my gosh, that's so 2011. You know, I totally agree. So speaking of 1980s brides, um, Sarah Ferguson, Duchess of York, still keeping in the 1980s more is more style sarah married prince andrew on july 23rd 1986 in a gown designed by lindka Sirach, which i might be mispronouncing the duchess satin dress was heavily beaded with heart and anchor symbols symbolic of romance and her husband's sailing background respectively Sarah was incredibly influenced by Diana's gown when designing her own and her 17 foot long train intertwined an A and an S, the couple's initials in silver beads. Like Diana's, Sarah's dress was a huge hit and brides of the latter 1980s copied her style in droves. Again, reserving comment on that. But um, have you seen this dress? Um, yes, I have. It it's uh, <laughs> another 80s classic uh, yeah. Know, yeah. Time, yeah. Of the, time of the address of the time, I guess. It was very, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So then we move into 1999 now and Sophie, Countess of Wessex. So her, her dress still holds up, I think. So Sophie married the Queen's youngest child, Prince Edward, on June 19th, 1999, wearing a dress by Samantha Shaw. The dress is made of hand-dyed silk organza and hand-dyed silk crepe with rows of pearls and crystal beading around the neck, sleeves, and train. Further beading goes down the back in front of the dress coat, which Sophie removed for the evening reception. 
There are 325,000 cut glass and pearl beads sewn on the V-neck dress. And actually her husband, Edward, who I certainly don't take as a jewelry designer, designed her black and white pearl drop earrings by Asprey and Gerard. So the husbands are just getting involved. They're doing the earrings. They're doing the bouquets. So good for, good for the husbands. So then we flash to 2005 and Camilla. When Camilla married, of course, this is her second wedding and his as well. When Camilla married Prince Charles on April 9th, 2005, she wore an oyster silk basket weave overcoat and cream silk chiffon dress by Antonia Robinson and Anna Valentine. Valentine, I'm not sure. For the blessing afterward, she wore a floor length embroidered pale blue and gold coat over a matching chiffon dress by the same designers. And all I can remember from that day was her hat. <laughs> do you remember that? Yes, I do. That was quite a statement hat. <laughs> I don't remember anything but that hat. So then in 2008, Peter Phillips, the queen's oldest grandchild, son of Princess Anne, married Autumn Kelly on May 17, 2008. The bride wore Saucy Halford. The gown is made of duchess satin with Chantilly lace featuring a fitted waist, a statement sash. I don't like statement sashes. Just saying this is this is very now you want to talk about of the times. This is very 2008 for me um, and a full skirt, which fanned out into a train. Autumn wore a lace bolero jacket with short sleeves. You know how I feel about bolero jackets and her veil also featured lace borders. And then when Zara got married, to Mike Tyndall, three months after William and Kate got married, they married on July 30th, 2011. It, that wedding obviously attracted much less fanfare than William and Kate's wedding, but I like Zara's Stuart Parvid gown. It was made of Duchess satin and, and oh gosh, F-A-I-L-L-E, fall. I have no idea what that means. That has <laughs> that stumps me. Anyway, she had small cap sleeves. I don't like cap sleeves because I don't like my arms. I'm not really promoting my body positivity on this podcast, which is something I'm constantly working on. But um, I don't like my stomach. I don't like my arms. I've said all that tonight. But um, Zara's, I mean, obviously, like you just can't beat Kate, right? Like three months prior, you've got Kate coming out in her dress, but Zara looked beautiful. And then there wasn't another royal wedding until Megan's. And then we've talked about that. But then Eugenie married Jack Brooksbank on October 12th, 2018. She wore a gown by Peter Pilato designed. I love this to show off the scar down her back from back surgery. She underwent as a 12 year old to cure her scoliosis. And then of course, Beatrice just got married last summer to Edo on July 17th, 2020, wearing a dress loaned to her from the queen. It was not the queen's wedding dress, but it was one that she wore to a couple of events in the 1960s. Although back to Norman Hartnell, the queen's wedding dress and Beatrice's wedding dress were both designed by him. She also wore the same tiara that the queen wore on her own wedding day in 1947. The dress is made from Pope, okay. Pode, <laughs> y'all, I'm sorry. Taff, it's, it's taffeta, okay? It's, it's taffeta. <laughs> In shades of ivory trimmed with ivory duchess satin with organza sleeves. It is encrusted with the diamante, with diamante, can't read, and has a geometric checkered bodice. Well, that was 
such a great segment on royal wedding gowns, Rachel. Great job. Thank you. That was fun. I hope listeners enjoyed that. It was so fun. Um, And it's really impressive how much time, planning, and intricate detail went into crafting each of those gowns. I think the same level of wow goes into royal wedding cakes as well. Um, And for our listeners, We have also planned a second segment on royal wedding cakes. And given that this is really just wedding season for, you know, everyone, we are going to continue this episode next week with part two. Um, And we've got a great segment all on royal wedding cakes. So think, you know, what you just heard on gowns, we'll, we'll do on cakes. And we're really excited about that. And if the royals know how to do anything, they know how to do a royal wedding cake. Absolutely. So next week, Royal Wedding Cakes, and we hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning into episode 25 of Podcast Royal. We pray that I can get my mic situation together by next week. I I have full confidence that this podcast is going to sound better than ever next week, and we will chat with you then. Bye. Bye.